Hey, it's Easter, man. It's Easter. Totally cool. You get, you get that 2,000 years ago on Saturday night, Jesus' disciples are sitting in a dark little room figuring that everything they had counted on, everything that they had hoped for, everything they had banked their lives on had just flopped. And then came Easter morning and an empty tomb and everything changed. And so I just wanted us to talk for a few minutes today about how empty can change everything about our lives. You know, usually when you think about empty, you think bad stuff. Like when you're standing at the ATM in line and you get up and punch in your code and all of a sudden in huge letters and flashing so that everybody behind you can see, empty. For me, a moment of absolute trauma is when I get to the medicine chest, reach in and realize that the hair gel is empty. My wife, uh, every once in a while, will come to me and she'll say, hey, can I borrow the car keys? And I'm like, well, yeah, why do you want to drive my car? Oh, I don't know, I just like driving with the top down. Okay. And I get out to the car and I put the key in the ignition and I look down to the gas gauge and it's... You know, you think after 28 years of marriage, I'd catch on after a while. But apparently my head is... Yeah. You know, empty, empty can be a good thing. Charge card balances that are empty, good thing. Inboxes at work that are empty, that's a good thing. And empty tombs are a good thing. And you and I today have the opportunity to discuss why that tomb being empty has the ability to be a really, really, really good thing for us. You know, it's interesting that when you read the account, the biblical account of this whole Jesus coming, dying on a cross for our sins, and rising again on the third day, that it, inside that story, there's a second story that gets told. It, it's the story of one of the disciples by the name of Peter. And as you're reading it, you almost want to stop and go, wait, which, wait why is this even in? I mean, the big story, the headline story is Jesus dies for sins, rises again. So why are you telling me about Peter? I think God knew exactly what he was doing. I think that in the midst of that incredible, incredible Easter story, that following what happens in the heart and the life of Peter in that moment suddenly lands this conversation and suddenly helps you and I understand why empty is such a big, big deal for us. Some of you in the room are really, really familiar with the story of what happens with Peter. Some of you maybe not so. So here's basically it in a nutshell. Jesus has been arrested and all of the other disciples have taken off. Not Peter. Uh, Peter's kind of hanging at a distance. Jesus has already had his civil kind of secular trial and a guy by the name of Pontius Pilate says, look, I, I don't find anything worth killing this guy over. So now the religious leaders of the day have said, okay, we'll, we'll take care of this. And they've dragged Jesus off to a religious trial uh, in a place, the Sanhedrin. And they're actually holding court in the high priest's home. Peter is sitting outside in the kind of the front porch, the courtyard area. 
And you got to realize, no windows, so he can hear the trial going on inside. And as he sits there, a little girl comes walking up to Peter. He says, wait a minute. I was at Bible study last week. Uh, you were there. You were passing the offering plate. And Peter looks at her and goes, no, no, no. That had to be some other fisherman with a big beard. And the little girl goes, no, it was you. A little while later, the Bible says, another young girl comes walking up to Peter and says, no, no, I, I saw you. You, you were actually, you, you were like up front. You're, you're one of the disciples. To which Peter, then the Bible says, begins to curse. He says, look, I don't know that blankety blank. I have nothing to do with him. He's a... The crowd sitting around Peter in that moment and hearing the conversation with the two little girls then says to him, dude, you've got, you've, got that, you've got that whole country accent thing going on. I mean, it's pretty obvious you're from Galilee, and I mean, that's where Jesus was from, and this is the big city. You've got to be one of his disciples. And the Bible says now that Peter began to call down curses upon himself. If I'm one of his disciples, then let my mother... And in that moment, Peter realizes he's done something. He's done something to the relationship with him and Jesus. And he's not sure it's ever going to be quite the same. A couple of weeks ago, I was at a cup of coffee with a friend of mine, and there had been a moment in the past when Things had been said, where behaviors had been behaved. Hmm. I, I was hoping that as we sat and had the cup of coffee that, you know, maybe, maybe we could mend some stuff, maybe we could get back on the right track. And we spent two hours, and got up, and it was time to leave, and I just knew deep down in my heart we weren't okay yet. Ever been there? Ever had a friend in your life that you just, you just knew the relationship's not what it was? It's changed. Something's off. Okay, so here's what we did. We asked you a little while ago. We said, hey, uh, would you put your name? So I'm going to ask our lovely assistant to come on out. Woo! Lovely assistant. There you go. Okay. And uh, we've got your names, thank you, on slips of paper. Oh my God, we got people falling all over the place. All right. Oh. Kathy, we got you. You're okay. We're going to make it in. Karen, you're in. Okay. So, what if we change this? What if instead of this being everybody in the room's name, what, what if the only name is your name. And, and what if every other slip of paper in here isn't a name at all, but instead, it's every 
ill-lived moment of your life. That when you, when you blew it, when, when you gossiped about that friend, it was written down, ripped out of the ledger, tossed in. That little white lie, the time you grabbed a couple pens from work and took them because they didn't pay you enough anyways. Written down, tossed in. And what if every other slip of paper was a moment in which you and I did something that wounded our relationship with God, that made it not quite okay anymore. And what if this slip was in there? What if our darkest moment, what if that, what if that moment that we said, look, 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 I... If I had my way, no, no one would ever know that I. If I could redo, I mean, if, I, if there were do-overs in life, I would never do that again. What if that slips in there too? And you get that if we were honest today, if, if we were just going to say it as it is, there is not a human who has ever lived on the face of the earth who doesn't get, I've got a ledger. And truth be told, my relationship with God is not quite right. And our best hope, see, the, that the only thing you and I can, can wish for is that someday when we get to heaven and have to stand before God, that, we, that he says, ah, never mind. Or that he forgets. But all of us know we've got that. In this moment, Peter... Peter's pretty sure he's broken something. He's broken something really big. And he's not sure it can be fixed. I remember the first time in my son Joshua's life when he broke something that couldn't be fixed. He was five years old and he was crawling around on the counter inside of our bathroom and he, uh, he knocked Lisa's uh, shaving cup off of the counter and it fell on the ground and broke into a million pieces. My wife has got a follicle challenge. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> She'll kill me now. Uh, it was her grandfather's shaving cup. You know what I'm talking about? The little cups and it's got a little soap and a brush and the thing. It was her grandfather's shaving cup. And every single summer when Lisa was a little girl, she'd go and spend the summers with Grandpa. One of the highlights of her life. And Grandpa was one of these old kind of old school guys, and he's the kind of guy that would have said to you, you know, if God wanted me to fly, he'd invented airplanes before I was born. I.e. the shaving cup. I mean, a lot more convenient, and there's cans, and it, you know, not Grandpa. Every morning. 
And when he passed on, Grandma, Granny, decided to give Lisa the the shaving cup. Even though there were still living children, there were tons of other grandchildren, and Granny decided to give it to Lisa. Gave, Gave her something that her grandfather had touched almost every day of his life. And now Josh had crawled on the counter and had knocked it off thousand pieces and when Lisa saw it she wept and I remember looking into the eyes of a five-year-old little boy who realized for the first time he'd broken something that couldn't be fixed see he couldn't miss enough allowances he couldn't go to enough stores and find just the right mug What had been broken couldn't get fixed. You know, it's interesting because you and I try really hard to fix it, don't we? See, we we, we get to this and we go, okay, maybe if I go to church enough, you know, maybe if I help enough little old ladies across the street, maybe if I give to the the Haiti Relief Fund, and and we do, we try to to say, look, if I I could just kind of do enough nice things, or if I could be a good enough person, maybe somehow I make up for this, and maybe maybe I can glue the pieces back together, maybe I can fix it. You get that what's broken, you, you and I can't miss allowance enough to fix. just uh, imagine the other disciples talking to Peter in that moment. Peter, look, look, think about it. Jesus said he's going to a cross. Jesus said he's going to die for all of our sins. Jesus says, Jesus said this gets fixed. He fixes it. And Peter's response, how do you know? I mean, How do you know? How do you know that Jesus dying on a cross works? I mean, let's just, everybody's going to die. So why is this death any better than any other death? How do you know? So we just get to heaven and we hope it worked? And even if it does, I mean, let's let's just for a moment pretend it does. Peter would say, I've got this one. I denied the Son of God in the moment he needed me the most. I mean, I sat there just a couple hours ahead of that and looked at him and said, I don't know what the rest of your disciples are going to do. I don't care what any... I will stand with you, Jesus. And then, in the face of a couple little girls, I ran... There's no way that one makes it to the cross. There's, he, he may have considered all the other stuff. I, I, there's no way he thought that one. Which is an interesting moment for us because there are some of us in the room who would say, I don't have one. And I, I got a bunch. 
I got a bunch that if, if I could just clean them up, if I could just, if I could just get them back, if I could just somehow, then maybe I'd be good enough and Jesus could take me then. See, there's some of us in the room. There's more than one. And then, you ready? And then comes empty. And two women go to the tomb to check on Jesus, and when they get there, empty. And here's the interesting moment. That Jesus, as he gets to heaven, turns to the angels who are going to talk to the women at the tomb. And he says to them, look, 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 when you go, there's a message or something you've got to say. It's the most important thing that you can say. So say this when the women come to the tomb. Grab your Bibles. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. If you're not familiar, if you go to the back and work to the left, you're going to find this book of Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Here's what Jesus said to the angels. You've got to say, when, when, when they come, when they find it empty, here's what you have to say in that moment. You ready? Here's what the angels reported. But go, the angel said, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. Did, did you get the important part? And Peter. And you know why that's so important? Because what Jesus is saying in that moment is he's saying, Peter, this death was different. And it worked. It worked. And that's why the tomb is empty. And that's why, Peter, your account is empty. And yes, Peter... Even that one is empty. And you're forgiven. And why that moment is so important for you and me is because it's almost as if Jesus reaches across the ages and says to you and me, tell Sylvia, it's empty. And it works. Tell Caitlin, it's empty. And that message is for you and all of us. And guys, the answer at the end of the day is, Empty is really, really good when it comes to tombs and when it comes to your and my account. I had another cup of coffee. You guys are going to think I'm always in conflict with somebody, but... <clears throat> <laughs> this cup of coffee was night and day different than the last one. There were really cool words said. Words like, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? 
And I will tell you that, that I got up from that coffee and two friends were okay again. You, you get that that is the message of Easter. Jesus is saying, look, 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 you're right, it's broken, and it, you did, and you can't. But you and I could have a conversation because the tomb is empty, and it worked. And all I need to hear, all we need to say to each other, I was wrong. And I'm sorry. And would you forgive me? And see, I'm thinking, I'm thinking when you and I run into a Savior who makes accounts empty, it's probably appropriate to say to him, and I'll follow you too. So here's the deal. We're going to bow our heads together in just a few moments. Some of us in this room, some of us are Christ followers, and you've already experienced empty. And I just think you ought to take the next few moments in prayer and just say, thank you, thank you for empty. Thank you for empty tombs. Thank you for empty accounts. But there are some of us in this room who've never experienced empty. And you get that it's, it's as close as a prayer away. You and I, you could get to empty. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And make it empty. So let's bow our heads. And if that's you and if that's where you're at, I'm just going like, to invite you to pray this prayer quietly in your seat. That prayer would go something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I've, I've got stuff. See, I, I get it. My, my ledger book, I, I've got a lot of slips of paper. And you just need to hear me say, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Would you come into my life right now and would you take away all those things that I've done to wound the relationship? The best thing that could happen to me is for you to make my account empty today. And I'm just, I'm just saying if you would do that, I would follow you. I'd obey you. I, I might even die for a Savior who can make empty. This I pray in the precious name of Jesus.